Hello everyone and welcome to Digital Journeys. Today we're going to look at what is the Power Platform. Our guests today will be Jim Holman and Trace Armstrong. So with that, I turn it over to Jim. Hey, thanks for having me, Jerry. Here today talking with Trace Armstrong about collaboration and workplace productivity. So Trace, can you tell us what is the Power Platform? The Power Platform is part of the Microsoft Office 365 suite of products, and it comprises several different applications that serve different functions. You have Power Apps, which is more of like a custom app slash form tool, plus it has the ability to be its own standalone application if necessary. You have Power Automate, which is the workflow component, the automation piece. You have Power BI, which is your analytics and reporting, which you can pull from a number of different data sources. And then you also have Power Pages, which is a new Microsoft product, which is more of a public facing version. Prior to this point, Power Apps, Power Automate, Power BI, all of it had to be within your tenant and used only by your users. With Power Pages, you can create a public facing side of an application for individuals or users to interact with. That's interesting. Would you describe these as applications that can work together? And if so, how would that happen? Absolutely. So that's kind of the beauty of these applications is they're built to work together. So for instance, you might start with a Power App. So I'm going to build a custom form to automate some kind of process. We'll say it's an expense reporting tool. You could create an expense reporting app a user would go and fill out all the information and then they would submit it. And then from there, a Power Automate workflow would fire to go through the business process. If it has to go through different layers of approval before a check or a direct deposit is triggered, you could automate that. So instead of it being strictly done through email, Power Automate can send stuff to Teams notifications, emails. You can assign the task. You can do a lot of different stuff with that. And then on the last piece with Power BI, you could have analytics. How quickly are we approving or denying expense reports? How efficient are we in all of those kinds of areas? And that that would apply across a bunch of different verticals, a bunch of different processes. So, I mean, it could be expense reporting. It could be, um, you know, car approvals. It could be whatever you need it to be. Yeah. So since most organizations have some type of office licensing, and this is a very confusing aspect of how Microsoft goes to market, what they call their products and how the subscriptions work. When you mentioned Power Pages, which is a new, as soon as I hear new, and I know the listeners might ask as well, how much of this is already licensed? How much of this is add-on? Do they own it already? Absolutely. So things get really interesting depending on your licensing. So if you are a Microsoft E1, E3, or E5 user, that's going to drive your access to these for power apps if you are business standard business premium e1 e3 e5 you have access to build and interact with power apps and that's a new development it used to only be business standard and e3 and above they've now extended it to e1s so there's no additional cost to use power apps with that licensing model for power automate same thing that is already included in your licensing the only additional charge is when you hit Power BI and Power Pages. If you are an E5, Power BI is already included in that user's subscription. 
Otherwise, there is an additional charge that varies depending on who you're getting your license through, whether you're going direct to Microsoft or if you're going through a reseller, uh, which can sometimes get you a better deal depending on the size of your organization. Power Pages is 100% an extra charge, and it's limited to a certain segment of users. So like 300 users cost X to access Power, Age, Power Pages. 500 cost X or X plus Y. And then uh, like a thousand user users would be X plus Y plus Z. Okay, so more of a tiered approach there, depending on how many of the consumers of the objects, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of horsepower there that you're describing. Microsoft's adding new functionality into the stack. Uh, it could be intimidating for small or mid-sized businesses. Can you tell us about what kind of technical skills might be required so they can fully take advantage of this? So it really depends on what you're trying to do. So if you're just trying to build a basic form that's not tying to, say, an ERP, you're not trying to connect it to another system, I feel like with a little bit of practice and some help from YouTube, a user could create a a custom form in Power Apps. With Power Automate for building workflows, I believe most users with just a little bit of Googling, a little bit of YouTube, they would be able to build some basic approval workflows. So that would be things like, hey, I just need to get this document approved by somebody or I need to route a task to somebody. They could do those kinds of things. Now, where you really could use some help from a contractor or a consultant standpoint on those products is when you start getting into complex business processes, like something like uh, a capital request. Those have a bunch of different conditions. You might have fields show or hide based on information you put into the form or the Power App in this case. And in the Power Automate function, depending on what kind of a capital request it is, it might have to route or switch or perform different functions. And that's where you want to be more careful and have a more advanced, either someone within your organization who is Uh, They're specialized in these products or bring in a consultant. When it comes to Power BI, that one can be hit or miss for small to mid-level firms, mostly because depending on the data you're trying to show in Power BI, because Power BI doesn't work really out of the box. You have to have a database of information, whether that's access, a SharePoint list, a SQL database. There is some back-end stuff that needs to happen to use a Power BI dashboard. And then since Power Pages is kind of a public face of these, you really want to make sure that you have a specialist who's uh, an expert because the licensing triggers on Power Pages can be a little difficult. Right. So there's a, I didn't even know Power Pages was a thing yet. And that kind of begs the question, where is Microsoft taking the Power Platform? And after, as you answer that, how should the product roadmap influence consumers and Microsoft customers on mm-hmm. how they maybe retire legacy solutions with the Power Platform. Okay. Uh, when it comes to Power Pages and what they're doing with the Power Platform, what I would say is, is that Microsoft is trying to make this more accessible to every user they interact with. One of their big drives is citizen development. And for citizen development, they're always going to be a little bit of pitfalls because they, they're just things they don't know. So from a roadmap perspective, I would start something simple with Power Automate. 
start getting used to automating simple processes. Start with doing some basic approval flows and then eventually work your way up to something more complicated. Like a good example of that is a lot of the behind the scenes. So for some of the technical people listening to this and not necessarily an end business user, um, most of the back end of Power Automate is JSON. So if you have somebody on your staff that is really advanced in JSON development, they can do some really incredible things within Power Automate to automate stuff, whether you're writing to an ERP, whether you're trying to generate actions in an application. Power Automate to me is the easiest entry point into the Power Platform. Then you can kind of take it another step up and start using Power Apps to develop forms, applications, getting more advanced. And then once you have that baseline of data, so we've got processes going, we've got applications going, then you can bring in Power BI for analytics and reporting to get a better idea of what's actually happening within these processes. Because you can even do predictive analytics in Power BI. So you can actually start predicting, hey, based on this swath of information we have, this is what our next quarter could look like in this this application not even financially but like how many things are we going to put into this system on average those kinds of things so from a roadmap perspective that's what i would do Um, in terms of what microsoft is wanting they're trying to drive the full integration of their customers in the cloud so what that means is is for the last you know 15 20 years We've had very siloed work because nothing fit together because the cloud, even 20 years ago, we didn't even know what the cloud was. And if we did, it was a theory. Well, now we live in the cloud, whether you have a smart device, whether you have a laptop, a tablet, some people even have those little metaverse glass things. So everything is in the cloud now. So what that means is, is you have the ability to integrate all of your processes and all of your data and make better decisions for your business. And I really think that's what Microsoft is trying to demonstrate is that right there is we can integrate all of this information and all of this data, and it will make your workers and your users more efficient and hopefully reduce headaches that we've existed in the past because there are always pain points. Trace, thanks for talking about what the Power Platform is. So stay tuned. For more with Trace Armstrong in part two of this series. Thank you, Jim and Trace, for the great discussion today. And I also would like to thank our listeners for tuning in today. As always, feel free to like and share this podcast. Stay tuned for more digital journeys.